College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 39 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1Baseball.com podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, the third. Today's podcast brought to us, as always, by our friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. If you believe, as every great baseball hitter does, that taking the balls and attacking the strikes is the number one key to hitting, then S2 Cognition has got to be part of your life because they're going to help you take your hitters and assess why those decisions are happening correctly or incorrectly. Um, we, we have just been thrilled to get to learn more about these guys. So uh, yeah. thanks to S2 Cognition. And equal thanks to my partners here, the great Kendall J. Rogers and the uh, the equally great Aaron Zebediah Fit. Gentlemen, good to see you over, you know, over technology, even though we got to spend mm-hmm. last weekend um gallivanting in nashville good to see you it's great to see you and by the way can i can i actually give s2 cognition a little plug here so aaron aaron kyle and myself all met with uh vane landers and paul phillips and the s2 crew uh, over the weekend in nashville and there's there's a fascinating article out there right now about brock purdy the 49ers obviously he's been really good down the stretch for the 49ers a big key to their success and there's a story if you go just google brock purdy i think it's on outkick Brock Purdy outkick, and it's a story basically talking about how guys like Joe Joe Burrow, how he compares with Joe Burrow in terms of like a cognitive test and things like that. And one of the big differentiators with Purdy versus some of these other quarterbacks is his his cognitive level is just off the charts. So it's a really good story if you're kind of wanting to know what S two cognition does. That's kind of your your first resort. But those guys are, are making some huge advancements and. Like, I was just fascinated to listen to them talk about their business. It made me even more excited to be a partner with them. I love that. Fitzy, I want to ask you a follow-up question. Would you say that decision-making like that, something S2 Cognition helps people improve, is probably the reason why Tom Brady had so much of a superior career to Peyton Manning? You think that's fair? I Ooh. think that is, I think that's spot on. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it, it, it actually, this was fascinating because, because runes, first of all, thank you for setting, for setting that up. I mean, <laughs> Chris, Chris, and Louisville, type in. Chris and yeah. Louisville's already asking something in type the chat. In a stern letter as we <laughs> yeah. speak. Well, well, I mean, but the fact of the matter is certain guys are more wired for pressure situations. And I know yeah. there's a school of thought out there that pressure doesn't exist, but I mean, when you throw three interceptions to Ty law in the AFC championship game in 2003, oh, I think that, uh, uh, oh boy. You know, well, listen, all, all I'm saying, I'll man, you, going. Hey, you know what? If Berkey didn't have like a huge Tennessee football season, I would say he'd be really mad, good. but he's still on a high right now from football season. That's um, well said. But, but to, to, you know, actually, seriously, yeah. one of the things that we're going to talk about in this podcast was the, your favorite conversation you had at the convention. And, and honestly, like the conversation we had with those S2 guys would maybe be the answer for me. Um, I mean, like, I just find it fascinating. Like they can, they can look at the results on the, on these tests that they do and they can tell you, all right, this guy's, you know, well-suited to be your, your closer at the end of the game. You know, you're Tom Brady, the guy who's going to, who's going to win it in the last two minutes. And this guy's not, you know, I mean like certain, certain, there's certain things like that, for instance, you know, um, this guy, I mean, you could just tell sometimes like your, your recognition 
you know, based on, on how you process information. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what their, their stuff's all about. It's not about how smart you are. You know, we're talking about yep. cogni- cognition. That's not what it is. It's just about how your brain processes certain inputs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, the whole science behind it is really fascinating. So check it and out. S2 cognition. On the baseball side, when we interviewed Corbs too, like just talking about how not only do they help you diagnose a hitter's strengths and weaknesses, but then they help you put together a drill package for that for yeah. hitter, which is really cool. So, Hey boys, let me ask you a nonsense question before um, before we get into the meat of this thing. So traveling again, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So when on flights, gentlemen, here's my question for you. Aisle or window, what's your preference? And then how do you feel about a middle exit row seat with the extended leg room? Ooh. So give me your aisle wow. versus window preference and then exit row middle is your only option. What do you do? Kendall? So I have children, so window is not an option anymore. But I will say, like, I used to prefer the window. Now that I'm older, I, you know, I can't wait as long to go to the bathroom as I used to. Uh, I, I do the aisle now. So actually, so when we travel as a family now, like, my wife and, and two kids will get the three seats, and then I'll get, like, the aisle seat next to my wife. And so I'm team aisle seat. No, team middle seat ain't happening. So Angela, I don't, I don't wait Angela- that long to get a flight. So Angela's in an aisle seat. You're on an aisle seat with the actual aisle in between you two. Yeah, and then the kids will be in either with me or with her on the other two seats. Oh, that's that's genius. the way we roll, bro. You guys are ahead of your time, Fitzy. Yeah, my, my wife and I tend to do um, aisle seats for next to each other, also across from the aisle. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I guess my answer is I prefer aisle, unless it's sometimes if it's like a, a long, maybe like a red eye, um, you know west to east and you're trying to get some sleep i might like mm-hmm. the window just for the sleeping yeah. purposes um I, I don't care about your exit row leg room listen short guy privilege i know like we're, <laughs> we're, we're lucky runes we don't have to worry about these things um yeah. but I don't, I don't i don't need the extra leg room you know right, standard leg room is just fine I don't, I don't, i'm not gonna take middle just to get an exit row no thank you well you guys are both this is a elite level answers right here because my mom and my dad, Michael Jr. and Peggleberry, they've been doing the opposite aisle seats forever. And it's really just so they don't annoy each other. You know, my mom's getting up all the time and that's, my dad, you know, so, but you guys are like, that's next level. You guys have already advanced to well, that place. Maybe that's why my wife wants to do it. Maybe I annoy her too much. Well, that's good. I mean, you, it's, that's all part of marriage, but the, the key is just play through it. And then yeah. what you said, Fitzy, Phil Murphy, who's a sports center anchor who does a lot of like Australia stuff and New Zealand, he does this crazy travel. He also shared window seat on a red eye is a, is a game changer. I've never done that, but that's genius. I, I will tell you this runes that here's the real, the real answer. I had a, I had a 14 hour flight from, uh, from Doha to JFK a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and I got the upgrade to business class for the first for the first time ever for like one of those long flights with the lay down seats. I'm talking about a game changer. My large God. leg. Oh, that, that's the answer. Just do that every time. Well, the other answer, Fitzy, is go to Sea Isle City, New Jersey instead of Thailand. But I don't know. That's yeah, for a yeah. different conversation. <laughs> that was off the record. Jenny's going to throw something at me here any second. The great J. Rowe. All right, boys, let's get into it. Here's the agenda agenda for this evening. We're going to talk about our favorite part about the ABCA convention in mm-hmm. general. I, that's top of mind for me because it was my first one since before the pandemic. I've missed the last couple, um, and I really missed not being there. Uh, your favorite conversation from this year's 2023 ABCA? You kind of tease that for us, Fitzy, and then let's do mm-hmm. some takeaways from the Division One meetings. Uh, so that's our agenda. Um, Fitzy, why don't you kick us off? Give me your favorite part about the ABCA in general. 
Um, you know, j just getting to hang out with my friends, uh, Michael, Patrick Rooney, oh, thank um, you. Kendall, Jebediah Rogers, uh, bro hug, man, bro hug, bro hug. How, how about how about Joseph <laughs> Joseph Q Healy too? Um, That's right, make, making his his uh, D one baseball debut at the convention. Yeah, um, strong, the obtrusive one. That was yes. a really strong performance. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Murphy Peterson Murphy. <laughs> Sounds oh. good. Sure. Let's roll with it. Can no, we, we, can we give Joe the Colin Deaver ABCA breakout award? Uh, can, can, is that transferable over state lines? He's already won the Deaver with the real Deaver award. He, he Did he actually? Yeah, he, he was. I think maybe the well, first Deaver well, award winner. Well, we didn't have a formal ceremony, so I don't know if that counts. This podcast is off the rails already. Loopy time. Obscure awards section of the podcast. We, we we've got a great crew. Uh, is yeah. is my point, and and just getting to hang out with 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 the D one baseball crew, um, you know, in, in Nashville to kind of kick us off. It always gets the juices flowing. Yeah. Um, meeting with all of our partners, of course. Again, I mean, uh, the, you know, part one of the satisfying things about watching this this business grow over the last eight or nine years now, eight years, I guess, um, has has been you know, seeing the people that we get to work with here and then we believe in, in our partners, you know, it's, 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 it's not just, uh, again, we've already talked about S2, but, um, you know, the six, four, three gang now who we've got some exciting things happening with our website on the stat side. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of neat things in the works. The, the, the peak events, people run Frisco and, um, mm -hmm. you know, round rock tournaments. There's some exciting things happening there. We've talked about, um, you know, it was the, have we talked about the streaming stuff, Kendall? That's public already, right? Did we release that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we released that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, really cool. I mean, that's super excited about this. For the first time ever oh, this man. year, we're going to have – we're going to stream games live on, on D1 Baseball, the video. Um, it's it's going to be it's gonna be fun. And so we've got a, a great group of, of people involved with the broadcast there, especially with the Round Rock Tournament. Um, so I just, you know, hey – excited about the state of the business obviously the, the state of, of college baseball um the game continues to grow and uh it's just it's just really fun to be a part of it all and so this weekend yeah. was a great, great reminder of that well said i went and hung out with the netting pros guys i feel like i feel like i'm Ooh. on staff for them i do their pitch every sunday during yeah. the fall and they're super awesome dudes they're exactly who you think they are they are they were great so kr how about you favorite part of the abca I'll, I'll be honest. I, I just think just all the people you run into, you know, Aaron and mm -hmm. I walked into the Gaylord and like within, I don't know, a hundred feet, we run into James Randy, obviously is just a top notch rising assistant industry. He's going to be a superstar head coach someday. And, you know, we end up talking here for 45 minutes. You know, I go to the restroom and we're meeting with the six, four, three guys. And in the hallway, Skylar Meads talking to John McCormick from FAU and then I'm talking to those guys for 25 minutes. So I just think, kind of you know building off of what Aaron said is like all these coaches and you talk about the partners but all these coaches that we call and bug and whatnot Aaron doesn't bug them as much as I do uh, with the coaching carousel but you know as much as I bug these guys to run into them in the, in the hallway and actually give them the time to kind of hey what do you think about this legislation I think the biggest thing that people ask me was like hey what do you think about the, the fourth countable coach we'll get to that later I don't think it's going to happen but uh, you know, a lot of coaches kind of wanted my take on that and wanted my take on some other things. So just running into those guys, you know, I've always had a, a deep respect for guys like McCormick. And, you know, you talk about Skylar Mead, the job that he did at Troy. And, and what I love to see, guys, is like the impact that, that we can make on the game. You know, at, at the end of the day, uh, we're writers. We, we, we are, are part of a website. But to see 
uh, how appreciative like these coaches are that Aaron, you know, gets on a plane and goes to Troy for a fall report or to see them in fall mm-hmm. workouts. Like th- to me, though, that, that means a lot to me. You know, that, that means that those guys notice that. And that, that means those guys really appreciate it. So I think just seeing all the, the familiar faces and, uh, and the only thing I would ask for the next ABCA is to get runes, a map, uh, a really good put together map because I don't, GPS I don't know. If, yeah. So just to give you the backstory. So Aaron, Kyle and myself invite runes to dinner one of the nights and we say, Hey, we're going to this Italian place. Here's exactly what little section it's in in the Gaylord and runes never found us. Never. He actually it. walked past us at one point. Yeah, the Gaylord Opryland is really. It could actually. Um, it's if huge. it if it needed to moonlight, if it needed a second job, <laughs> it could moonlight as a torture chamber. Because that Thursday night, I was tortured forty five minutes. Now, in fairness, <laughs> my map reading skills are an NP. I'm not even going to give myself a twenty on map reading skills. But you're right. I literally punted and I went to Fuse. That's the only place I could find. Um, and so there, there we have it. But I, I would echo everything you guys just said. Um, you know, congr- in tip of the cap, speaking of, you know, partners to the ABCA, I mean, well over 8,000 coaches there. That's just unbelievable. It, it's no just doubt. incredible what that event's become. I will tell you guys, my favorite part every year is the leadoff talk. The Division One National Championship coach gives that leadoff talk at 8.30 on Friday morning. And it gives me the chills every year. Mike Bianco just absolutely crushed it he um you know we all know the story but it's still i never get sick of it they were seven and 14 in the sec with three weekends left that you're done that's dunzo land right like you're done they won the whole thing mike bianco in his career at old miss they were one and eight one and eight in games to go to omaha coming into this year like you talk about and, – and Mike Bianco studied and played for Skip Bertman, who made Omaha look like a layup. And here he – you know, can you imagine the demons that he's having to fight down to pull that off? And so his talk, you know, and for him he's given tribute to Skip, you know, that famous Skip quote, if you can vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon a goal – it will come to pass that famous skip bertman quote and of course mike can do it in the skip bertman voice which makes it that much better so yeah that was awesome i also listened to jordan bishel do a talk on coaching in in a gym basically you know like how do you get your team ready in an in an indoor facility and listening to jordan bishel do that talk there you, you know exactly why his team has been to three straight regionals i mean it was no oh gosh so so good so yeah, all that stuff is great. Yeah, I believe um, Joe uh, and Healy actually gave Jordan Bishel a ride to the hotel because they were walking or something the last day. Yeah, yeah, assistant, assistant coaches, coach, I think. Yeah. yeah, yep. Joe Healy, good egg of the good egg of the weekend, I guess. Yes. Um, hey, Runes seven and fourteen with three weekends left in the SEC. It, it is you think about the teams that have won it all over the years. Like I always mm-hmm. think about that two thousand four Fullerton team that was like five hundred, you know, midway through the mm-hmm. year or whatever. But like. You know, Fresno, of course, like had to had to get the automatic bid just to get in, whatever. But like seven and fourteen with three weekends left that, to be to be in that deep of a hole that late and win it all. Like, is that the most improbable college baseball yeah. triumph of the last twenty? I mean, and this was a great, you know, obviously a great team, a very talented team that had been pre, had been number one earlier in the season. They were preseason top ten, whatever. 
like you know from that perspective they're not that improbable but to dig out of that yeah. deep of a hole like it, it, does anything compare I don't think so because like even if you wanted to go with Oregon State 2007 was the last like 64th team to win it all but they were defending national champions, right? There was no right. demons being drug around. It was like, you yeah, know, like, it wasn't the team known to lose every yeah. big game. And nobody was emailing the AD at Oregon state saying you should fire Pat Casey, right? They were saying you haven't done enough statues about Pat Casey. I mean, literally, you know, that I, I think his name's Keith Carter, right? Kendall, the Keith Carter's getting, yep. and Ole Miss is getting emails and phone calls. Like you need to fire Mike Bianco two and a half months before he's about to win the national championship. Like, you know, yeah. Talk well, about receipts. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about Ole Miss, too, is it's not like, you know, you, you talk about that 7-14 and 14 record, but it's not like they all of a sudden, you know, the final weekend of the SEC season, all of a sudden just started playing great baseball. I mean, this is a team that got blown out by A&M in the final game of the – I think A&M hit like five homers in that game. They got blown out the final game of the regular season. They almost get shut out. I think it was Vanderbilt and Hoover, and they, and they went straight home. So – to, to go to the level they were actually playing just a couple of weeks before the postseason to the level they played in the postseason is pretty incredible. But, you know, watching a couple of their games in that Miami region, just the way the, the, the kind of the bounce they had in their step, like the, the feeling you had on them, I mean, it just it, it looked like uh, it looked like something pretty special was brewing. And it, it's kind of funny, a coach – I actually try to remember who said this over the weekend, but we were talking about Southern Miss – and they were like, "Hey, if it was anybody but Ole Miss, they would have been in Omaha." Mm. And I and I actually believe that. I think that's very fair. I like that Mike Bianco also. You know, he was he's very honest. I love how direct Mike mm-hmm. Bianco is. He referenced how you know we get we kind of slide up to number one in the country, and Tennessee comes in and just literally, you know, it it was like the the boxing analogy where you kind of get knocked out cold. You know, like it, like Tennessee beat them so bad that they kind of lost. They lost their their mojo, Edge. and yeah, it was bad. And, yeah, and, and we all saw it. But to hear that from the inside, like you never hear a coach admit that or a player admit that. But I mean, we saw it. It was interesting. So, yeah, really cool. Hey boys, let, how about how about your favorite conversation? You alluded to one, Fitzy, but we'll give you a second whack at it. One of your favorite conversations from this ABCA. Well, I mean that that. It's really the conversation we had with, with James Ramsey that Kendall mentioned the very first conversation of the weekend. Boy, is he sharp. Yeah. He's been coaching I mean, for like five minutes, by the way. Like he was playing a couple years ago and now he's this rising he's star. He's a sharp dude. Whew. Yeah. No, I'm impressive. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, um, you, you love to talk to, to the to young up and comers. Of course, you know, it's a guy that you covered as a player. Right. And it, it's just yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, to, not that long ago it feels like and right. like here he is and he's he's you know it's just it's just neat to see the transition but um seeing rick vanderhook was cool it was a very short yeah, conversation really cool short conversation we had with him just walking down the hall um on the way to another meeting but uh just great to, great to see him you know and, and there's there's always one of the things that i enjoy about abca is, is is running into those kind of retired coaches that are always around too um you know and that one that one stood out to me love it kendall how about you uh, I, you know, Aaron mentioned the, the, the obvious ones, but, uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting just talking to, you know, Jay Johnson with the six, four, three guys, yeah. just like how calm and like how, uh, I guess at ease he is with this upcoming season. I mean, I tell you what, if he's, if he's nervous or feeling the pressure about this upcoming season, like he's not showing it. I mean, he just seems like he's like very content with where they, where they are as a program. And he's just, he's very receptive of the expectation level 
uh, with his team. And so I think for me, that was the thing that stood out with me, that stood out for me at least for, from talking to Jay, was just uh, how at ease he seems to be with his team. Of course, they're going to have some up and downs. I mean, they opened SEC play with A&M. They're at Round Rock, uh, we too. They have Tennessee at home. They're going to have some ups and downs. But, uh, it, you know, I, I think LSU, like, you know, how you know how often do you just have a 100% slam back number one team like LSU? Uh, they're that team this year, and if if that team's mindset is anywhere close to what his seemed to be, man, boy, this this team's in a really good spot. Yeah. We got some we got some great time with Jay. Um, was that Friday night or something? And, yeah. and then also, you know, Josh Jordan, I ran into and just mm-hmm. talk, talking to him about the makeup of this team. And he, one thing he said, Kendall, to your point, was like. Yeah, like you wonder, you know, maybe all these guys, how are they going to mesh or whatever? But like, it just feels like none of them want to let Dylan Cruz down. Like, they don't want to like, yeah. feel, you know, like that. Just the hit Dylan's presence in that in that locker room seems like it's like it's special, man. Like he he's not only is he the best player in the country, um, but like he's got that 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 special presence, I guess, in, in the clubhouse where like he's a natural born leader but also just like he's yeah. so like when he works so hard that everyone else is, 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 you know, driven to, to try to live up to his example. And, and that's a good sign for a team, you know, as, as yeah. people always talk about, right. Like oh, our best player is also our, our best kid or whatever. Like it, it's, it's a cliche, but it sounds like it's true in this case. And uh, I think that's a good thing. No question. It's, uh, you know, uh, if I, if I'm Kendall, you, you've, you've, you and I have discussed this, but, like mm-hmm. Jay Johnson reminds me of David Esker a little bit where when Stanford hired David Esker, as much as I love and respect Esky, I felt like I don't like that because I felt like Stanford's administration had gotten really comfortable trying to pretend that the 1990s were still in play in the 2020s. And so I, I, I felt Esky was too comfortable. And of course, he's been the home run of home runs, you know, like two straight Omahas and hosting a regional every year and jay johnson i didn't think jay johnson was a bad hire clearly but i was like man that's a that's that could be a square peg round hole type of thing but he like to your guys point he looks like he's so comfortable you know like it looks like a perfect fit i loved speaking of favorite conversations him and david pierce separately i heard them talking about how skip bertman and wayne graham come to their respective inner squads like that Mm. I, i would buy a ticket to sit next to Wayne Graham at a Texas inner squad or sit next to Skip Bertman at an LSU inner squad. Like that would be amazing. I, I spent time with Corey Mee, who I've shared with you guys was my teammate for four years at Notre Dame. Now he's at uh, an assistant for Billy Gurnan at Western Michigan and Corey's son Grady is a freshman at Western Michigan, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Love seeing Pat Casey. You mentioned hookie um, really cool seeing Tracy Smith back in the game like that. I love that that kind of redemptive type of stuff. Um, you know, seeing Schlosh is always a, a highlight. Yeah. You know, seeing the coaches at the other levels too. Like you guys know I coach in the Arizona JUCO League, the ACCAC, and to, you know, to hang out with those guys on Thursday night was super fun. And the other thing I'll mention is Andy Stinkowitz's son, Dane Stinkowitz, is a, you know, that's a name to write down. Unbelievable kid. And he's now an assistant at UCSD. And like just – you know, this is this kid is incredible, like talented, looks the part, you know, super earnest. And so, yeah, it's it, it kind of gets back to the original point. Like you just go from one great conversation to another. 
And I forgot to mention Paul Maneri too. Uh, Ken and I oh, got, yeah. got, got some, some extended conversations with. Great to see Coach Maneri. Looks good. Um, you know, kudos to Coach Maneri. I think he started his retirement with like an 18 handicap, and he's down, I think, to, not, down to, <laughs> not down to single digits. Nice. Um, you know, so so he's making the most of it. But, uh, um, you know, that was another another treat. I'll, I'll always enjoy visiting with Paul. He's uh, the best. With yes. Paul. That's, that's exactly it. All right, boys, let's, let's fast forward to – the division one meetings and, and we could, we could take this anywhere we want. So just looking for a big takeaway. I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of chicken on the bone at that meeting. Um, I missed the rules meeting, but of course there's been a lot of mumbling about it. Um, and I'm going to comment on that, but Kendall, tell me, give, give me your, like, what's one of your big takeaways besides the fact that the coin flip thing was like, talk about yeah. the fakest. Not, not articulated very well. And actually, I don't, I don't want to break it all down right now either. But apparently, like very little has changed on that. Uh, yeah. the, the actual like words that were said aren't isn't exactly what's going on. But essentially, like if you have two, if you have like the Saturday game of a regional, and let's say it's the one seed versus the three seed, the one seed's automatically the home team. And I guess I guess it applies like one more time in a regional. I don't know. It's in a formula somewhere that they wouldn't actually give me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so and your piece, your piece, Kendall, was awesome. Like, first, first of all, we're going to talk about it. But anybody that wants to get this, the scoop on what went yeah. down, Kendall's piece on the website was spot on and literally just listed the rules for the, you know, hashtag fake coin flip home team saga. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway is number one, I, I would urge coaches to continue to get involved. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this happens every single year, uh, you know, and the opposite has, has occurred in the past. I mean, I remember several years ago, this Eric can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a, a, a debate about the transfer portal or the or what, you know, one time transfers, you know, a decade or so ago. And I remember Tony Vittorio and like Jack Leggett were like having a really heated debate about the one time transfer rule. And like it, it kind of spurred like this big discussion throughout the room. And, you know, Craig Kylitz is, is going through uh, recruiting calendars, roster sizes, counter, you know, re, uh, counters on your roster, uh, the number of coaches. And we get to the end of the meeting and, hey, any comments, any debates, any discussion? And, like, nobody raises their hand. And what I can tell you is what's going to happen. And I, and I know coaches are going to feel like I'm preaching to them. But what's going to happen is in a week – College baseball is probably not going to – and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I'm going to be wrong, but I, but I hope I'm wrong on this. But, you know, college baseball coaches aren't going to get a fourth paid assistant uh, like they want. And, you know, they're, they're going to complain. They're going to, you know, you know, bitch and moan. But, like, co- coaches need to get involved. They need to have these discussions with their peers at these meetings. That's why you have these things. And so – uh, I would urge coaches to get more involved in that stuff, get more involved with athletic directors. But, you know, looking at the legislation, so keep an eye on the NCAA convention this week in San Antonio. The the two things at stake here, number one, uh, it's turning the volunteer coach into a full-time coach. I feel extremely confident that's going to happen. I kind of wrote about this in that same story. But, you know, the NCAA is really worried about lawsuits. They should be. I mean, this is this is honestly the thing that, everybody should have been doing years ago. I, I feel like people are kind of empowered by some of these court cases that have occurred over the last two or three years. But I do feel like athletics wide, the volunteer is going to become a, become a full-time coach. Well, baseball is now with ice hockey and softball to actually add another coach 
to basically have five total accountable coaches. That's including the head coach. I don't feel so great about that. I think Craig Kylitz said he's about 50%. I think Craig would agree with me that he's probably a very optimistic person. And I think 50% is very high. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've talked to a couple of admins. I've talked to a couple of coaches who are in the know. They feel like it's more like 20 to 30. But as we've all seen in the past, like the, the council, the D1 council kind of goes the, the way of the wind. And at the wind, uh, when they get to San Antonio, is blown in the direction of, hey, let's yeah, let's just let's just knock all the stuff out and give these sports this, these things. Then you can see it happen. But the, as of right now, I think two things are going to happen. I think the volunteer becomes a full time coach, and I think the other thing that's probably going to happen, and this kind of satisfies satisfies coaches on not on potentially not getting that that fifth total accountable coach, is I do feel like the the council and the transfer transformation committee is going to make it. Where any coach on the staff, so that can be analyst, uh, analytics guy, or whatever, uh, they can actually go out there and coach at practice, which is not the case right now. Like, mm-hmm. technically, if Mike Rooney's the analyst at Arizona State, he cannot be on the field coaching players. And from what I understand, they're going to make it where people like that can't actually coach at practice. So, you know what? You get the volunteer to become a full time coach. That's what we've aspired for, uh, you know, for the last three or four years. Uh, we get that, and then they institute this rule where more guys can be kind of on the field uh, and, and coach a practice. Then I then I think think you're happy. But you know, I kind of I kind of want your take on this, Bruins, because you've coached and you've been with a team. And I don't know if it was you, Aaron. I can't remember at this point who brought this up. But you know, you almost kind of wonder a little bit if you do allow analysts and stuff like that to go on the field and coach. Like, is it almost like too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak? I would say, like, I always worried that more about that in coaching, and it's never yeah. been more concerning that, the, you know, what, what's the expression? A confused mind says stop. And, yeah. you know, every coach, that's the cliche. I want them to play fast, play aggressive. Well, a confused mind is the opposite of that, right? And so, you know, they have outside hitting coaches, outside throwing coaches, um, and then everyone in their staff. It takes real maturity for a young coach to be careful in how they instruct mm-hmm. players. So I, I think that rule's a no-brainer. Let more coaches, you know, interact with players. Um, you know, the, the big thing is if young coaches are going to develop, they got to get on the road and recruit, right? So yeah. I think that's the other piece of this. But I think net-net all of that is a win. I, you know, the biggest – I'm curious your take, Fitzy, on this, but I'll tee you up with mm-hmm. this. My biggest takeaway from Craig's talk was – or it was from John Cohen's part of the talk – if we could leave the next 12 months with an oversight committee for baseball, man, that feels like a, now I don't know what they could get accomplished, but it sure feels like a big step in the right direction. Is that how you took it Fitzy? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a good idea. And and I think we probably are headed in that direction. Um, Guys, if you don't mind, I'd like to, I'd like to take this in a different direction Please, because this is something, you know, the roster size is something that uh, yeah. I know coaches have been, have been t- talking to me about a lot this fall, especially this time of year, um, having to make cuts, you know, mm. and look, lots and lots of cuts being made right now. Yep. And if you look at the rosters, they were posted online, you know, this fall and, and even, you know, even hitting into the spring. I mean, there's still a few weeks to make cuts, right? There's a lot of teams out there with more than 40 guys on their rosters. 43, mm-hmm. 43 or more, 45. I mean, it's like, um, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks for these guys Th- at this time of year. It sucks for the coaches, it sucks for the players. And like, I get it. Everyone's going to say, Oh, well, just don't over recruit. Just don't over recruit. But like, as, as we've talked about a, 
you don't always know, you know, how the draft's going to shake out, the transfer stuff's going to shake out, and there's such a limited window with all that stuff, um, you know, b- between, you know, the, the the portal closing and when you got to renew mm-hmm. your scholarships and all that stuff. Like it, it's it's a tight needle to thread. And B, um, you know, especially with with, with pitching injuries and and, and uh, workload maintenance, if you want to field, you know, two teams in the fall. Um, I mean, how many times do we go to go to fall scrimmages and it's like, oh, well, this team's got seven guys and they've got a pitcher playing yeah. left field or whatever, like just to fill out two teams for an inner squad. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of players. And, and so, like, I, I don't blame coaches that have 40, 45 guys on their on their rosters in the fall, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and players know generally not, not all of them. Not everyone's so sophisticated, but players generally know kind of what they're getting into if you're going to go to a major program and mm-hmm. you, can, you can do the math a lot of times like you know if you're going to walk on at this place that there's a risk you're not going to make the team mm-hmm. um but i mean why do why does baseball have a roster limit and and uh, it, it's not something that all sports have in fact i don't know i've been told that baseball is the only sport that has a roster limit i don't know if that's true or not i've not fact i don't checked. think i think football has a has a roster limit I mean, it's 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 a lot of I know, players. But I know they have a. Fo- I know football has a scholarship cap. I don't know if they have a roster limit or not. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm told not, but I but I haven't fact checked yet. I probably should have done that for this podcast. But I mean, I think it's an important. It's yeah. an interesting. It's an interesting question, right? Like, um, it it's like, what is the point of it? You know, I mean, like if mm-hmm. I get it, like you could have too many guys, it, and it becomes a point where it's like it's hard to coach so many players. But like, um shouldn't that be up to the programs and the players? Like, like if, if you've got 45 guys and you know, it, it hurts you, it hurts your team trying to coach all those guys, then like you're going to wind up having fewer, fewer guys, you know, it, mm-hmm. it'll correct itself. I, I just don't think we need yeah. to necessarily legislate that, but, it, but anyway, so the, the, this topic was discussed this week and it sounds like there's, there's momentum for a 40 man roster, which I think is perfectly reasonable, but at the very mm-hmm. least um, you know, Right now, coming off the COVID stuff and all the, the roster crunch stuff, we're still not all the way through this cycle. Yeah. We're, you know, there's a little yeah. bit of leeway for the fifth year seniors and everything. But I mean, like, we're still, we, there's still lingering effects from, from all the extra eligibility. We're not out of the woods and, and we keep shrinking the roster size. And I just think it's stupid. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn on it. You guys know, like, I just, whatever mm-hmm. the number we settle on, I want us to settle on it for the fall. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I get it. Like, I think the coaches, you know, they're cutting kids as part of like, you're gonna have tough conversations. I, I'm torn though, Fitzy, like part of it is like, it's hard to build chemistry with a big roster. And so you would hope that coaches that are keeping these massive rosters are feeling that pain. But, you know, there's the competitive advantage of if you cut a kid in the fall, then you don't have to worry about playing against them in the spring. I, I'm torn on it. I 40 feels like a good number to me. Um, but just do it in the fall. Maybe it's 45. I don't, I don't know. It's, um, but it's, it's, you know, the, the thing that concerns me is the good of the game. If, if the rosters are too ballooned in the fall, then there's a lot of division one kids that are going to end up playing division two in NAIA baseball. And that's no offense to those levels, but if I'm really focused on division one baseball, I want the most talented kids playing division one baseball so this is in fairness this is not an easy puzzle to solve i don't think yeah and it sounds like there's there's not only momentum for that 40-man roster but there's also momentum to get rid of the 25 percent minimum scholarship rule and i love that eliminating the the counters altogether so yeah you have 40 players you want to give all 40 of them some like scholarship money you can and you don't have to give them 25 percent i've always thought the 25 percent minimum was ridiculous to begin with 
especially in a partial scholarship sport. Always hated. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that actually could be uh, could be voted on this week. Yeah, that so, I mean, that's interesting. You want baseball later? This That'd be week. a big development. That'd be a big development if they got rid of of the uh, the twenty seven. Uh, what is it? The twenty seven man ro- counters. Uh, counter. Yeah, the twenty five percent minimum. Yeah, so yeah. you just be able to give is give whatever you want to give to every single player. And, yeah. and the thing is, hey, you know what? If you're LSU and there's a kid from uh, Thibodeau who wants to go to LSU for three percent scholarship because he just loves LSU, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a no brainer. I, I I just again the thing I was most excited about from that whole part was the was the concept of an oversight committee. Now maybe I'm taking the cheese on that, but I just I I think the idea of coaches having to go to their athletic directors individually and that's how we're going to move the needle in the sport. We have to do it right now cuz that's our only that's the only lever we can pull, but man yeah. it feels not like a strong lever. You know, it just feels like hey, maybe you know, half the coaches in the country feel like I'm kind of on thin ice with my AD. Like, right. I'm just, I'm hoping to get an extension. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to waste all my bullets on, you know, whatever counters or, you know, fifth paid coach, or I don't know, but it, it'll be very interesting. I, I, I'm, you guys know, we've talked about expanding the postseason. We, I think we all like some version of that, but I just, I like the idea of one committee. This, this you guys, I get so annoyed with the umpire rules committee thing. Like, I feel like the rules committee or whoever changes the rules in college baseball, it's like they have this unbelievable autonomy and no one else does, right? Like every other rule we try to change for the better of our sport. It's like, you, you know, it, you got to move heaven and earth to change. But then every two years we get a laundry list of new rules. And it's like, it's like they just, you know, jumped out of a curtain and it's like, oh, here are the new rules. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, did you even talk to anybody or what? I don't know. You guys know I the pitch clock I'm super concerned about. I just, um, I, you know, I think coaches are very panicked about it. Coaches that give offensive signs are spooked about it. Coaches that um, I talked to a Mac coach today that was saying, hey, I think we need to invest in those risk, the pitch calm wristbands. Because mm. we're nervous as heck that we're not going to get our pitches in in time. Um, and so there's going to be net positives that come from this. But I just I would challenge anyone. Did anyone watch the MLB playoffs or World Series and think, man, I just wish those games were 12 minutes shorter? No, because the games were so action packed, you know, like there was so much good stuff in there. And so yeah. I, I don't know. I'm 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 nervous. I, I will tell you that I was fine. at the uh, A&M Louisville Friday game in a super, and I do wish that game was like two hours shorter. Yeah, that was forever. That's that that was brutal. Now the problem in that game, though, Kendall, is there was a trillion pitches thrown. You know, like yeah, the yeah. time in between pitches, you can help there. But the big problem was we just couldn't secure outs. Like it was every yeah, yeah every pitch was contested. I don't know. What one thing that was really interesting, and this is kind of going back to the roster thing real quick, is you know we were meeting with the six four three crew about uploading the rosters to the site, and I think they told us that there's still about 130 Division one schools who have not posted their spring rosters yet. And you know I asked a coach about that, and he said that there's no doubt there's a few schools that are waiting until like school is actually back in session to make some of their cuts. We should so, change that. That rule should change tomorrow. If you're going to practice yeah. in the fall, you got to be on the online roster. You got to like, make your cuts before yeah, the holiday break. That's easy, right? Like that's just yeah. like wh- wh- who we hundred percent, right? Like that's yeah, no a, doubt. Yeah, that. See, there you go. Oversight committee. First item of business: online rosters, September first. You're welcome. Little. Can I nominate you to that committee? <laughs> just uh, a committee of one. 
Can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine a member? The commission the media, right here. The member of the media on that committee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's. I would love to be on that committee. Oh my gosh, I would hitchhike to the committee meetings, but. I think I think it's not very likely that a member of the media is getting on that committee. Gosh, that would be gorgeous. Oh, very good. Ooh. I would I would cook the snacks for that to be on that committee. Maybe they just let D1 baseball decide everything. That's what everyone thinks that you you guys do the field anyway. Yeah, That's what right. does Sarlus, Kirk Sarlus always says that whatever we say goes. Yeah, that they're they're in they're in the room in Indianapolis listening to the nerd cast yeah. before they do yeah. that, as they should be. Maybe so. just for Kirk next year, we won't put AM and TCU in the same regional. Just yeah. for Kirk. Oh my gosh, so good. Boys, this was good. Good to knock the cobwebs off, start to get our arm care going, get our pitch counts up. Um, for all the for all the listeners, we'll we'll start to get in a regular um, you know, we got our we're getting our writing chops going. Conference previews are eminent. So Tuesday, the 17th of January will be when we drop the top 25. But Monday, the 16th, we have a massive, massive announcement. So stay tuned. Mm. MLK Day on the 16th, we're going to have a big-time announcement. And then the top 25 will drop on Tuesday. That said, there's never a bad time to subscribe to D1Baseball.com. Now is the very best time. If at checkout you type in RuneDog, R-O-O-N-D-O-G, you will pay 100%. If, (laughs) however, you type in Save23, Save23, 23 at <laughs> checkout you'll get 20 percent off so definitely type save 23 instead of rune dog we need to make if... a, we need to make a rune dog coupon code this is definitely <laughs> and you pay 105 percent definitely going yeah to no seriously i need to look in there and see like on rune dog can I actually charge like you know 239 a year oh my gosh i could see our good friend tom hart check it out put it on the underhills bill that's right there you nice. go Oh, so good. Uh, Gentlemen, well done. Well done. Everyone, be well. Happy January. Here we go. Season is eminent. Uh, Be well, and we'll catch you next time.